What's cracking, everybody? My new smart guy, Matt Zappala here. He lives here from Dallas, Texas, right here, broadcasting to you live on YouTube in Grandscape at the Colony. So if you are around this area, come by, swing hello, swing by, and we'll say hello through the, the glass here. But uh, anywho, uh, this channel, this podcast is dedicated to help you think like a millionaire, strategize like a millionaire, so therefore one day you become a first, you can become a first generation cash flow millionaire. Why is that important? Well, you see the cost of goods and services, the cost of living, the cost of putting your kids through school and AAU and vacations and wanting to retire sooner than later. Well, guess what? Being a millionaire will no, no longer be a luxury. It's going to be a requirement based on the way things are trending in America. And once you start training your thoughts, your mind, your spirit, and your entire uh, way of going about business, trending in the right way. So uh, on today's show, episode three, we're talking about tipping. Uh, we're talking about uh, at restaurants. We're talking about millennials and Gen Z still asking their parents for financial support. Uh, how does that affect them long-term? Uh, Tom Brady's affection for his new 13-year-old son, his, his new teenager in his life. People are reacting to that. Why? Uh, the consequences of porn. You want to have a good life? You want to have a good financial life? You want to have a good sex life, marriage life? Well, consequences of porn in your life. We're going to be discussing that too as well. So uh, with that being said, let's take a look at this article here on tipping. Americans are fed up with tipping. But they're doing it more often amid soaring inflation. So as it's not hard enough to make ends meet, people are getting hit up to say, hey, tip me here, tip me there. According to payment processing from Square, people in the U.S. left gratuities more frequently in 2022 than they did a year earlier. Food service business saw a rise in tipper and frequency in the third quarter last year, even on the heels of inflation hitting 40-year highs. While inflation cooled toward the end of the year, it still remains high, but apparently not enough for consumers to cut back and how generous they are with hospitality and staff. And uh, folks, uh, uh, earlier, um, earlier this, uh, uh, let's go back on the camera. Yep, er earlier this uh, week, the inflation rate we just got renounced by the CPI. The CPI index is mentioned that uh, uh, we're up 6.4% uh, year over year, 6.5%. So inflation did not reduce as much as they expected it, and still people are tipping. So. Uh, you get asked, by the way, Milton, do you tip 15%, 10%, 20%? You, you know, man, uh, I was never in, in the industry uh, having to be a server and working off of tips, but I always, I was around it. Uh, when I was in law enforcement, I was actually uh, a bouncer at multiple places, and one of them was at a uh, restaurant slash, I guess you could say, nightclub in Rosemont, Illinois. And a lot of the servers actually became my friends. And in, in, in the midst of them becoming my friends, you know, we, we, we got really well acquainted. And at the end of the night, usually the servers end up counting all their tips that they made that evening. Since sure. the restaurants, uh, the restaurant would only pay them around 4 or $5 an hour, which is really not that much. You really can't survive off of 4 or $5 an hour. And there would be nights that they would do really, really well. And they'd be extremely happy about it, only due to the fact that they'd be able to pay off the rent and bills they have for that month. But the evenings that they did not make enough money they'd be consistently on edge and completely stressed out on what they were going to do uh, for their upcoming bills. So uh, only because I've been around these people and I understand the struggle that they encounter, I, I, I do my best to tip yeah. uh, based off of the service they, they do give me. And then every now and then we do encounter a server who's having a rough day, having a rough life, yeah. and they're not having the emotional, they don't have the emotional capacity to deal with people. Um, and I still try to go out of my way and tip the correct way. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's really hard to tip someone who's not doing the job correctly. Of course. I mean, yeah. tips. What does tip stand for? Yeah. T-I-P-S. stands for to ensure 
proper service. No. And tips aren't an entitled thing. You got to earn that tip. I mean, I was a server at Olive Garden when I was launching my insurance business for years. I was a server at Olive Garden. You know, bona fiesta. What a joy. I still remember the damn freaking break, uh, uh, birthday song. But uh, here's my thoughts on tips. I think that the reason why squares are porting a higher amount of tip rate is because businesses are asking for it. Now, even people at Starbucks and people at uh, uh, these mom-and-pop coffee shops, Dad, would you like to add tip? You know, you ask not, you get not. Yeah. And more businesses are actually putting tips as part of their... Already included. Already included. Yeah. Like, at the end of the bill, would you like to add a tip? I'm like, sure, why not, you know? And so people are, if it's in front of you, people will do it. The second part is, I like to tip. Yeah. Because I know how hard it was when I was a server. I was earning tips. I was a single dad, three kids. I wanted to make sure I... If I did my job... And giving you service and staying on top of your, your your table to make sure you're not asking for anything. It's not hard for me to find. Why well, this is the most annoying thing for servers? You're so annoying and hard to find, and people aren't uh, uh, paying attention to the customers. Mm. They're, they're distracted. Or occasionally looking for your service. Hey, I need I need this. Whatever. You know, that's what starts drawing drawing down the percentage of a tip. But for me, if a server, like remember uh, during the recession, uh, the pandemic, I like tipping. I said, you know what? In the middle of the pandemic, you're working, you're serving, you're not on unemployment. You know mm-hmm. what? I'm going to honor you. Here's 30 freaking percent. Yeah. Here's, here's 40%. Here's 50%. I just love being generous to the service who choose to work because I know how hard it is. And here, here's the thing too as well. I like going to restaurants that I can be a frequent regular at because mm. then I start tipping 20, 30%. Well, guess what happens if I bring a customer? Guess what happens if I bring a client? Mm-hmm. I come into the restaurant. Hey, Matt, how you doing? By the way, the way I got invited to Michael Jordan's grand opening because uh, Jose was the manager at Michael Jordan's restaurant, and I just kept tipping the servers. I built a reputation. I kept ordering the same things in the same corner. And anyway, make a long story short, the guy asked me, man, you're so generous to our guys. Uh, would you like to be invited to a grand opening wow. with Mr. You-Know-Who? I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, uh, we have a special guest. I said, no, you, you, you're joking. So this is on the 23rd. I said, why is that on the 23rd? <laughs> <laughs> you really got yeah. Michael Jordan coming. Anyway, I think I got invited to that grand opening with a who's who of Oak Brook, Illinois, and Chicago, mm-hmm. because I was a generous tipper. Wow. So, you know, I believe also that uh, as an entrepreneur in business, I need to spread the bread. So, uh, listen, if you are out there earning tips, go earn your tips. Don't expect to be entitled to tips. Earn your tips. And I think you're going to find a lot of regulars coming back to you. And by the way, you're going to learn a lot of sales skills, people skills by being a server, be a bartender, shoot, being a valet person. If you're any type of person providing any form of service and you depend on tips or you like a tip, Knock yourself out, but make sure you are doing your part to do that. Here's another thing I want to go. Let's go, let's go to this article here. Most millennials and Gen Z are hiding their spending habits from their partners. Many consider this worse than physical cheating. So it says in this article, when we think of cheating, we typically envision a carry sneaking around to see, big type of situ- to see a big type of situation. We don't always picture checking and saving, checking and savings account. Still a scandal, albeit a less nail-biting one. But financial infidelity is a real problem plaguing many couples. Milton, you're in a relationship. She's got her bank account. You've got her, your bank account. Do you disclose to her how you spend your money? What do you think? Well, that, that, that's the question I would have to ask. I would have to answer your question with a question. Now, am I just in a relationship or are we married? You're in a relationship. Just regular relationship. You're in a regular relationship. Uh, By the full disclosure, I'm the married guy here for going on uh, uh, eight years now. Milton here still single. (laughs) The champ holding down a single corner. You're uh, not a laser, bro. But I know you. You don't don't date to just date. 
No, I don't. I don't date just date. Whichever camera's looking at. Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> I don't date just just a date. I, uh, I'm dating for something bigger than that, right? Something just then just passing time. But um, I think if, if we're in a relationship uh, and we're going uh, we're gonna wait towards marriage or to, towards an actual commitment within itself, I think a conversation about finances is definitely a conversation that we should have up front. Because again, I've been on both sides of the spectrum where uh, I was in my early 20s, a lot of student loan debt, working two jobs, part-time jobs, trying to get through college, broke. Yeah. And here comes a pretty girl. I didn't have my principles, my values in line. So I do everything that I possibly can to grab her attention, even yeah. if it was taking her out to expensive dinners that I could not afford and falling behind on my phone bill just because I wanted to impress her and I'd be okay with a uh, late phone sure, bill. Hey, I've been, I've been on that side. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then I've been on the opposite side as well where you know they play the same role. But I, I, I think that a, having a conversation of your finances up, up front and set, you know setting expectations is definitely something that uh, is definitely needed, especially if you're trying to plan a future with someone. Uh, Going into an actual commitment within itself, Matthew, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, a man having his own account, a woman having her own account, and then if they decide to go that route of an actual full-on commitment, a.k.a. marriage, yeah. then creating something together so that way they can both put in a certain amount of money into that account so they, they can grow their legacy together. Yeah. You know, so that way he has an, his account and he use, he utilizes that money for what he wants and she has her money so she can buy, do whatever she wants to do with her money. So that way, whether it's man or woman, she doesn't feel the obligation just because she's a breadwinner she doesn't feel the obligation to be the one consistently providing and vice versa he doesn't want he doesn't have to feel like he's the one consistently providing does that make sense yeah by the way if you're dating yeah. do you have 100% trust i say hey babe give me your phone do you do you hand over the phone right now if you're dating yeah and you're dating to marry the the last do time you hand over the phone <laughs> yeah you the, do the, the, you feel comfortable <laughs> yeah 1000% the last time I was in a rela- in a serious relationship was in 2017. That was uh that was that was the last time I was in a serious relationship. From that point forward, I've dated, you mm-hmm. know, got, you know, got to know somebody within five, six, seven months. It didn't work, so yeah. we just continued down our own paths. But an actual commitment was 2017. At, at the point where I'm at right now, it's really hard for my attention to be grasped onto just because of your looks. I, I need to know who you are. I want to know, you know, what you stand for, where you, where you where you rooted. And if I decide to entertain the, the idea of a relationship, then that's where I myself yeah. am in a position where I'm open to cutting off everything and any distraction that may come my way, including anything that's on social yeah. media. So that gives me the open door to say, hey, babe, here's my phone. Do as you please. Here's my passport. I have nothing to hide. Yeah, because that's like saying, hey, look at my checking account. And this is where I spend money. Yeah. I'm at the GNC Nutrition. I'm at the Vitamin Shop. I'm at Amazon, whatever. Yeah. Case. I'm at uh, un- you know, buying Under Armour clothes because you're a trainer, right? That's, yeah. your, that's your world. But listen, when, when Sheena and I started dating, I remember going to an Italian restaurant, and there was a Italian restaurant you can have like the, 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 the paper, you know, the paper, uh, I guess, tablecloths. Yeah. I just wrote down all my mess with Sheena, or blah, 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 because I was going through a blended family sh- situation there. She needed to know my mess. She needed to know my luggage. She needed to know my garbage. Also, wow. she needed to know the, the upside with the risk of potentially losing Loser. her. So you, but, just, you just brought it up? You I just t- brought it up. I hey, said, she know this was going on in my life. Let me just write it out for you. Yeah, I said, I need to have a conversation with you because the shit I was in was getting thicker. Wow. And I didn't want to drag her down deeper and get her hooked into the relationship. And next, you know, I'm not the guy that she thought she had in her head. So, I, babe, as this continuing, I just need to disclose to you before this gets any deeper. Uh, maybe that's about three, four, five, six months into the, the, the relationship. It wasn't right away. It's not it was the first date. Yeah, that would have been intense. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, four, five, six months, and she kind of got a, an idea who I was. But... Listen, I, I, th- I think if you're in a relationship, I think you're right. It should be uh, our money, uh, your money, uh, my money. 
Mm. Uh, whatever you do with your money, your business, whatever I do with money is obvious, but we have our money together. And I think if you're unwilling to have that type of financial disclosure or transparency, you're hiding a lot of other shit in your life too as well. And so that you're just going to be setting yourself up for failure. Um, and if you put yourself in a position where you're like, you know, I really love this woman. We're going to really build a future together. Mm-hmm. It's one. You know, she has her budget. You have your budget. But we have our budget. Yeah. And uh, as long as our budget, our bills are paid for, good to go. And, uh, and quite frankly, I'm glad I married a woman that is conservative in her spending. You know, Sheena, and on her wedding day, I, I said, I said, hey, babe, listen, I, I'm, I apologize. I'm not the guy that's going to give you the woman of your jeans. A lot of these girls dream from the, from, you know, being a princess, you know, on a horse-driven carriage. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not going to provide that. She goes, I don't care, babe. She goes, I don't care about spending money on the wedding. I care about investing in her wow. marriage. That's rare nowadays, Matthew. That's, that's Sheena. That's really rare that's nowadays. That's my wife. I was like, holy that's moly. That's really rare. And then her wedding dress, she goes, babe, I got it on sale. I'm thinking three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 for a dress. She goes, babe. Two hundred bucks. Two hundred. Her wedding dress. Our, our anniversary is coming here in se- in seven days, six days. Her wedding dress. We'll post it on Instagram. Her wedding dress was a couple hundred bucks. She bought it on sale, clearance. She goes, "I'm very, I'm wearing it one time." I was talking to a, uh, to to a young lady that I was uh, entertaining, not maybe a couple years ago, and this woman said that her minimum, the minimum that she wants to spend on a wedding was twenty grand minimum. Your wife said. What's the point? Your wife said two hundred dollars for a wedding dress. That's really rare to find nowadays, Matthew. Because you're the thing. If you, it, women, you know, you know that saying that women have a biological clock. They want to yeah. get married by a certain time yeah. because of you know, sure, sure. not being able to have kids. But I believe that men have a financial clock. They will not settle and they will not sit there and commit to someone until they have their finances completely set. That's why you see a lot of men just elongating the process, being in relationships with someone for more than four, five, six years, and still not popping the question because they still have not. Uh, settle themselves in, in the purpose that they want to f- fulfill and especially have the bank account that they want to have. But it's really hard to do that when you have a partner who doesn't know how to budget their money. Yeah, b- by the way, I think it's stupid just to spend money on a wedding just to say you spent the money on the wedding. Yeah. For what? One big-ass glorified party? For what? And then what happens? You start off the marriage with damn yep. debt. You're, you got financial burden. You get regret. They, we should have never invited this person. <laughs> <laughs> right? Why they come? They brought all their kids, right? All their you know, people I haven't seen in years. Yeah. What's the point of spending all their money on a wedding? You want to invest in the marriage. And so by putting yourself in a, in a burden from day one, everybody's stressing out. Parents are stressing out. Mom's yeah. stressing out. You're asking for people to contribute. Everybody's financially stressed out. What? Just so you can have a party? And then if it's not built on values and principles, it was just built on the, the aesthetics of a wedding, guess what? A year later, two years later, three years later, what happens to that marriage? Boom, divorced. You spend all the money for what? What a ridiculous way to look at getting married because you got to spend all this money because you have a quota that you need to meet. I'd, I'd say, listen, maybe three years later, four years later, five years, have a rededication ceremony. Rededication. And you celebrate then. When you make your bread, you make your money together. Here's what happened to my financial trajectory as soon as I got married because I focused on one woman, but all the riffraff to the side, wasn't running game. She's not running game. We're not spending any money on any, any stupid things any longer. Guess what happened to our financial tra- trajectory? Bam! If you track the day we got married from uh, uh, February 2015 to, to where we are today, over $10.5 million was, our, was, was generated our way because we focused in on our marriage, our business, without any of the refraps. So uh, this leads me to my next point. Because of financial strain and inflation, let's look at this next article here. Millennials are relying on parents to pay bills. Now, I can't say I'm the person without guilt. I mean, when I got out of the military, I asked my mom a couple, for a couple months, hey, man, can I stay at your house? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I stay in the basement? Here I am, a sergeant in the Marines. 
can I just stay in a house? Uh, 35% of millennials, 35%, over a third, say their parents pay at least one of their monthly bills. Must be nice. Housing is when a large expense is handed off. Almost one quarter of millennials said their parents cover their rent. So who is this a knock on? Is this, is, is this a knock on, uh, on, on mom and dad? Let's go back to you. Is, go, is, it, is it a knock on mom and dad or is it a knock on the kids? I mean, I, I would first assume that it's the first runner-up is a knock on the parents for not teaching them financial literacy. That's number one. Not teaching them their, their kids on how to manage their money correctly. Not teaching their kids on, you know, how to spend, how to utilize their money for leverage and how yeah. to, you know, do money the right way. Yep. Um, but then at, at, at the same time, I also believe that if, no, I actually, I, I stand on that firmly. I think it's the parents completely, 100%. We can put blame on the kids. We can put blame on, on, on the, you know, uh, the teenagers, the preteens, the young adults, but it's all rooted from somewhere. And although, you, yes, you have social media influencing, you have all these apps that force you to compare yourself on a day-to-day basis that want, that force you to desire a certain lifestyle that you potentially at the very moment you can't live, but you desire it so you go above and beyond to live that to live that uh, type of lifestyle and just to post it on Instagram so you can get a couple likes so you can so you can feed your ego. I think that foundation of building a form of identity still falls on the parents as much as some, some parents don't want to admit it. But I don't, I don't have kids, so I, I could be wrong. By the way, on a quick, uh, quick break here, we have a, p- a couple of people here watching us on live stream. So Emiliana Rivera, hello from Chicago. Miriam Rivera here. She goes, hello, Matt and Milton. Miriam Rivera is awesome. I call her our, our, our auntie, Titi. Right, a Puerto Rican, uh, Puerto Rican auntie, right there. But nice. we want to say hello to you. Thanks for joining the podcast. I appreciate you guys commenting, sharing, and uh, just being just loyal subscribers and followers of the podcast and our work here to teach people how to to understand what it takes to live a life that you want to live, the lifestyle that you want to live, and have the income that you want to live, and to help the people that you love and care about to live their life too as well. So um, let me take let me take the flip side to that. Okay. Uh, so the the blame is on the parents. I also say the blame is on the kids. I was 17 years old and I was out the house. My wife was 17 years old and out the house. Why are you allowing somebody else to pay your bills, especially mom and dad? They gave you a shot already. They, 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 listen, this might sound very judgmental, but the moment you take ownership of your life, the sooner, the better. The less dependent you are on anybody else. And by the way, it's going to hurt for a minute. Adulting sucks. <laughs> you put in your position like, oh, shit, mom and dad was paying for toilet paper and toothpaste. That shit's expensive, Right? But the moment you take ownership of it, and you might fall behind, it might be painful, it might be hurtful, you might have these bank uh, and, and, and bill collectors calling you and shaking you down for your, your finances. It's an embarrassing type of situation. But guess what's going to make you do? It's going to make you rise up. The moment you allow yourself to have a crutch any time in your life, the moment you allow yourself to have a crutch, you're never going to fully grow to the capacity of your God-given potential. Uh, my mother was telling me about a story uh, because my mother, she's a country girl from the Philippines. And what they used to do when the chickens were starting to hatch in the eggs, they're starting to hatch in the uh, incubator. And the, the, all, all her siblings felt sorry for these little chicks because they're struggling to get out of that egg. Yeah. So what did they do? They broke the egg for that chick. Mm. But a week later, guess what happened to the same chick? Never got to stand. Mm. It's, on, it's on two feet. And that chick died. Never became a chicken. Why? Because the process of that chick to kick and scratch and fight their way through that shell, guess what it did to the muscles of that chick? Strengthen it strengthened them. them. Yeah. So therefore, they had the strength. As much of the struggle was, as difficult as it was, times they couldn't breathe, but the chick fought her way out, survived, strengthened it, and guess what? Now they're able to live and stand on their own two feet. 
So therefore, Popeye's chicken can come by and <laughs> three-piece special with, uh, with red beans and rice. Your thoughts on that? Well, I actually have a question for, uh, for you since, you know, you, you're the one who've experienced, you know, the, the trials that you've experienced. You've been married before. You have kids already. You've been in the trenches. Uh, you've faced life on, on your own. You've brought people up. You've given people wisdom. You have kids now that are around the same age that you were when you were going through your struggles. Yeah. Speaking to a Gen Z or to the younger generation, I would say anywhere between the ages of, let's say, 18 to 24, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. How does one build that mental callus to allow, to allow yourself to go through these trials and put yourself in the fire knowing that it's going to sharpen you and make you stronger at the end without being scared of actually going through it? You know, I, I wish I could say it's only for reserved for you know, late teens, 20s, and 30-year-olds. It's mm-hmm. not. I see that with people in their 40s, 50s, shit, 60s, and 70s. They've never built a mental callus. They've always been dependent on somebody else. Somebody's always been helping them out. And, and as much as we can give a hard time to the millennials and the Gen Zs, the TikTok generation, the Nintendo generation, I get the same thing to a bunch of 40 years old and 50 years old that they think that they can't change their life. You got to face something tough. You have to face something under pressure. Matter of fact, if you try to get in, for example, a lot of people at the beginning of the year, what do they try to do? They try to get in shape, right? In shape, yep. how, by the way, how packed has the gym been? Uh, for the next three weeks, pretty packed. <laughs> Mid-March, completely empty. Right. Yeah. And that's an example. Yeah. Because m- the moment it starts getting hard. By the way, the workout we did on Saturday and the one we did yesterday, I'm still sore from it. Mm. I'm still walking around. But it's part of the process. Listen, I didn't work out for 17 years after leaving the military. I dealt with PTSD. I dealt with sores, aches, and pains. I was reading Tim Grover's book. Um, he, was, he was writing about, uh, he's talking about decondition. Uh, uh, it was called uh, Relentless, the book Relentless by uh, Tim Grover, who's, who's a personal trainer of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Dwayne Wade. And he said in his book, we got to teach these guys. I told Michael he had to decondition. What's decondition? Your whole entire life, you're conditioned. Like in the military, conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. God bless you, you've been conditioning, but the moment you stop in that, in that rate, for sports, that's the same rate of conditioning, you also have to decondition. But what happens if you've never been conditioned? So that's why I think a lot of people are really focusing on their health. A lot of people are focusing on this time of the year to focus on their diet and exercise. And Milton, like the, for example, when I started working together with you, and you'd ask me to jump up on a platform, how, how high was that platform? Not high at all. And, and how pissed, and I, I couldn't get, I couldn't jump up to it. I used to dunk in high school. I couldn't jump on it, how pissed was I? Your ego was pretty hurt. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. freaking crying. I can't yeah. jump on a six-inch, one-foot platform. I'm Correct. freaking crying. Yeah. I'm pissed. 1,000%. How many times do we work out and my lower back starts to flare up? In the, in the beginning, almost every workout, even if we weren't doing anything that involved your lower back. How many times you put me yeah. to put a knee on the ground? I couldn't put a knee on the ground. In the very beginning, consistently, every single workout, even when we were doing stretches. Even stretches? Even stretches. Fast forward three years later, how, how's my knees? The man's out here doing backflips. <laughs> How's my lower back? Lower back's back's great. It's no longer tight. Knees are doing fantastic. And you're increasing your mobility. Because I need to remind myself, I need to go back to the pain, the pressure, the stress, the resistance, the agony. And so, by the way, I couldn't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. That's why I needed to have Milton in my life. And you out there watching this, you can't do this by yourself. If you think you can, it's your ego talking to you. The moment you think you got it all figured out, that's pride showing. Matter of fact, that's also fear showing up because what does faith say? Faith says, I don't know everything. What does, it, what does it mean for me not to know everything? I need to know somebody that knows something I don't know. That's faith. And you need to find that resource. You need to find that person to feed that into you, to take you to the next level in your life. And so I hope it's not too much of a digression, but if you're out there, you ask a mom and dad to pay your bills. You're living with a mom and dad. Listen, the sooner you get out of that situation, 
And if you got to work two, three, four, five jobs, do it. I don't care about inflation. Do it. Three jobs, four jobs. You're, you're, right now, if you're younger and you have no kids, no wife, you're, you should be working around the clock. You 1, should be working around the clock. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Oh, man, it's about balance. 1,000%. It's about life. It's about enjoyment. Okay. Tell me how that philosophy is going to work out in the real world. In the real world. Not in the la-la land world, but in the real world where you really have to lean in on your faith. Because if you don't lean on your faith, guess what you lean on? You lean on your fears. Um, I'm going to go into this next article here, which is, a, I believe, a system that has not taught us to do that so much. So... A lot, of, a lot of parents, let me go back to this one. Parents want a complete overhaul of the education system. Uh, I, listen, the last three months I've been to New York, Houston, San Antonio, uh, Orange County, uh, um, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, uh, um, uh, the, Bronx, the Bronx, uh, uh, Long, Island, Long Island, New York, Chicago. I've been in multiple cities and states the last 90 days, 60, 90 days. Every time I ask this one question, do you, mom and dad, trust the public school system? What do you think the answer I get is? Hell no. Not only no, but hell no. Hell no. Why, why so? What's, what's your thoughts on the current public school system, education system? I don't, I don't... So this is for me speaking on the fact that I, I got out of college maybe about six years ago. So it wasn't that... You know, it's almost a decade ago. That's, that's pretty. Long. I'm trying. I'm trying to deny the fact that I'm in my 30s. Now. Your reunion, 31 bro. years old. 31 years old, man. Um, I I walked out of school knowing calculus, knowing about biology, and learning how the difference between they uh, there, there, and there, um, and as much grammar as they wanted to teach me, and some French. Uh, French two class that I, that I took that I got a C plus on, but when it came down to figuring out how to do my taxes, when it came down to financial literacy, when it came down to how to have survival skills, when it came down to actually writing a resume, when it came down to people skills, when it came down to having uh, uh, good communication, knowing how to you know use your body language to your advantage when it came down to interviews, knowing how to interact with people, knowing how to network, knowing how to get ahead in life, knowing knowing how to and basic stuff too, basic basic stuff, knowing how to wash your clothes, knowing how to wash dishes, knowing how to cook, knowing what's good food, what's bad food, what's spoiled, what's not, how to clean how to clean a dish. Basic stuff that a lot of people nowadays I I I encounter don't have. I know a lot of people in their early twenties and I you know, I, I you know, I know some certain people between the ages of twenty and twenty five years old who they don't know how to wash a dish, they don't know how to wash your clothes. They're asking me like, Hey Milton, how do how do you how do you how much detergent do you add to a load of clothes? What Either school or your or your mom should have taught you that. Someone else should have, should have taught you that instead of me trying to teach you that now. It's basic survival skills. But yet, I got you know you get glorified for learning, you know the calculus that you you were talking. I've ne I have not to this day, Matthew. I'm 31 years old. I graduated mm -hmm. high school in 2010. To this day, I have not used calculus. I have not used anything that I've learned in chemistry. I have not used anything that I learned in forensic science. Zero, sure, absolutely nothing. How about by the way, the viewers is watching this right now. How about you, what's the biggest takeaways and things that you learned in Grade school, in junior high, in high school, what's the biggest subjects that means the most to you today? And what would you not rather have studied so therefore you can reinvest that time into stop the topics and the subjects that really matter to you? I mean, I, I'm, th I'm thinking about that too, Milton, you know, with, with my kids going through the schools. And, and uh, there, there's, a, there's a survey uh, by the Purpose of Education Index Survey released by Massachusetts-based natural think tank Populist found a radical shift in the way most of us view education, what our children 
should be getting out of it. By the way, from a fitness app standpoint, when George was going to public school, I asked him, I said, when you, when's gym class uh, each day? He goes, we only have gym on Thursdays. I says, what? Once a week? Once a week. We used Once to have it every day. Exactly. Yeah. So the same, even, even you being 30, and some of you in your 20s, the same public education system that we went through is not the same public education school system of today. Completely different. It says also here, respondents said they want students to develop practical skills such as managing personal finances, wow. preparing meals, or making appointments as a top priority. Functions that students a generation ago learned in home economics class. By the way, do you remember your home economics class? I remember one thing in home economics class. What do you remember? How to bake a damn cake. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's how to bake a damn cake. And so... Check this out too. The, uh, the, this is all prompted many parents to move their children out of public schools and into private, uh, parochial schools, most of which are controlled by teachers' unions and state open during the pandemic, which are not controlled by teachers' unions and state open during the pandemic. The overall rate of parents choose. Check this stat out. The overall parent rate of parents choosing homeschool, homeschooling their own kids, grew from 5.4 percent to 11.1 percent, double. Now, what's the problem with either public school, excuse me, what's the problem with going to putting your kids in private school or homeschooling? What do you think the problem is? It's like you have your kid in public school system now, right? Yeah. Now you want to pull them out and put them in private school or homeschooling. What do you think the problem is? With inflation, with cost of rising goods and services? A lot of people won't be able to afford private school. That's number one. Exactly. That's the number one thing for, uh, for private, for, for uh, homeschooling. I just like, I don't know. I, 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 I can't picture myself putting my, my children in in, in uh, homeschooling. I, I feel like they would come out socially awkward if they were just to be at home. Homeschool, right? Homeschool consistently behind a, 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 a computer screen, talking to people. I mean, that, I mean, that's the, that's the direction we're headed right now with our technology. Yeah. That's, that's the way we're headed with, especially with the, the metaverse and all these online dating apps, and you know, you create little avatars, and you're you're married to someone from across the world, named X, whatever the case may be. And your avatars are married, and now you and this avatar are having a family, and then you're officially married online. But in reality, you're like a 14 year old kid talking to yeah. someone completely across the world. So that's, I mean, that's the direction we're headed. But I, I don't see the true benefit of pers personally from homeschooling. But going back to to the other point, um, I know a, a lot of my friends are actual teachers, and a lot of them will uh, debate that on well, Milton, it's not our job to raise it's not our job to raise these kids. It's it's the parents' job. It's their parents' job to teach them. Uh, how to wash clothes is the parents' job on how to teach them survival skills. Is the parents' job on how to teach them to do their taxes. Our job is to teach them specific topics that we're, we're, we're demanded to speak on, but on survival skills, that's the parents' jobs, and it's not our duty to take on that role. If they want us to take on that role, we should be getting paid a lot more than $30,000 a year. I agree. And by the way, it's not the school's job to teach our kids sexualization. It's not our school's job to teach LGBTQ. It's not our school's job to teach pornography. And all this type of crud that they've seen right now, exposing kids to drag shows, it's not our school's responsibility. Our, our uh, school, uh, when, when George was going to public school, we're going to have an LGBTQ class this Saturday if you're more than willing to come. I said, well, can, can, we, can we discuss that with our kids? Why are you introducing the Tim in fourth, fifth grade? It's none of their business. Teach them algebra. Teach them calculus. Teach them that stuff. Teach them biology. Why well, got to expose them to a topic that's going to further confuse them and cause unnecessary questions that don't need to be had at that, at that specific age. So again, the reason why there's public education, education issues because instead of educating, they're indoctrinating. And parents, uh, listen, I think the, the move right now is if you don't trust the public school system, you say, okay, I need to go to private school. I need to go to homeschool. And by the way, I think there's a homeschool communities out there where if there's a neighborhood of homeschool kids that maybe once a day 
or, or once every other few days, they all get together. Oh, it's pretty cool. I had so, no so they can go on field trips. They can have some social. What you're worried about is social interaction, right? Yeah. But also, I think also a good part about that too, as well, is that uh, you avoid a lot of this unnecessary bullying. Because let's let's say, for example, you and your three, four kids are meeting with another parents of three, four kids, and everybody's meeting together. What's how big is that class size? You your class size is three, four kids. Your own kids. So if somebody's gonna start bullying, you're gonna see that shit right away. One thousand percent. And then you have a talk with the parents. They're gonna have, hey, hey, let's get together. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I think you, you can you can nip that in the bud right away. You can you can cause uh, uh, cause a lot of good when uh, kids know that that's not the right type of behavior. The sad part about the public school system is people use the public school system. To your point with your friends, is they use the public school system as a one big glorified daycare center. One thousand percent. And they're not teaching the kids at home. Right, because your kids are spending six, seven, eight hours away from you, you should be the one injecting values and principles. You should be the one course correcting. Not, I remember watching one of my friends, she was in the Chicago public school system. I was just watching her throughout her day. Halfway through the day is spent being a security guard, not a teacher, breaking up fights. And my, this is like three, four, you know, three, uh, uh, th- third, fourth, fifth grade. She's breaking up fights. I'm like, when, when do you have time to teach? She's not even teaching, she's breaking up fights. Detention, right? Disciplining kids. And so um, this is the basis for many people today. If you're thinking like a millionaire, guess what millionaires love to do? Private school, boarding school. And that's, a, that's another extreme right there. We you put your kids and you, you deploy them to, to somewhere else. But the, the point is you want your, your kids around other kids that are thinking bigger in life. Are, I mean, think about this too, Milton. If you were, if you were put in private school, um, St. Joe's. Right there in Westchester, right? Right R. there, right? right? Yeah. Is, that a, is that not a decent school? You got Isaiah Thomas going out. So how many actors and actresses have come out of St. Joe's? 1,000%. Right? Think about what it would be like to go to St. Joe's versus Proviso West where you went to high school. <laughs> a lot of my friends transfer off from Proviso West into St. Joe's. But I think right now St. Joe's, uh, they completely shut down a couple years ago. Oh, did they? Not a lot of people could afford Damn. it. Damn. Okay, yeah. It was, it was a good school. Yeah, for sure. It was a really, really good school. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember... Uh, uh, a lot of players come up. When I was coming up through high school in Chicago, a lot of people wanted to go to St. Joe's. A lot of actors, Hollywood uh, actors and actors came from St. Joe's High School. Yeah. But the point is, regardless if the school's open or not, the point is parents had choice. 1,000%. And if you had choice, imagine what the association is with your children, with other parents who are making the same choice for your child. Um, which Let's flip let's this uh, to this next uh, um, survey here. Um, let me go here. Let's sit here. Uh, no, no, no. This uh, parent here, uh, parent, okay, parenting taboo. Let's go to this uh, controversial topic right here. Parenting taboo. This guy said on Reddit, I regret having kids. Think about that. I regret having kids. Was he wrong? He's voicing his opinion. Care? So first off, he's got marital problems. Second off, he's got now regrets of being a parent. What's the bigger issue? The parenting issue or the marital issue? Marital for me. I think it's marital, it's marital too. What do you think? Is it a parenting issue or is it a marital issue? If you regret, if you're in a position where you regret having kids, is it because of the kid's fault or, or you as a, as a father or mother or is it the person that you married? Is it a marital issue? So it says here, the original poster started by saying he and his wife were in marriage counseling after they started having marital problems due to the birth of the kids. So Milton, I'm just curious. Uh, if if, if uh, there's going to be a woman that comes in your life one day, Right, and you want to make sure you, know, you get married. To, I mean, are you getting married to later on get divorced or one and done? You're not following my route, right? You're not having a, a starter wife. 
A starter wipe? A, a, pra- <laughs> a practice round? Practice round. A practice round? My apologies. Pra- practice grief? My apologies. Yeah, I don't t- tell me about it, bro. It's just tell me about it. It cost me a lot of money. cost me a lot of time and money. It took my entire 30s to pay back the mistakes in my 20s. So the goal? The goal is one and done. And that's the thing, Matt. There's beauty to having a belief in a higher being, a.k.a. God. There's beauty to that. Because the moment you become rooted in God, you start to have foundational uh, value, uh, foundational principles and values that you, that you go with on how to approach a specific relationship. If you're good at communicating with God, you're going to be great at communicating in your relationship. If you're good at respecting the time that you spend with God and creating time to spend time with God, although you have a very busy schedule, you're going to create the same space and that same time for your partner. Yeah. If you follow, if you follow the laws that God has for us, and you are able to love your partner the way God loves us and shows us the grace and the mercy and the more intimacy we have with God, mm-hmm. our spirit tends to be more aligned to this identity of God, which one of the foundational things of life, are a nutrient that human beings need is love. And we, when we truly understand what love is, the actual love, unconditional love, agape love, whatever you want to call it, we tend to walk in love a lot harder, and we turn. We, we tend to learn that love is not just a feeling or emotion; it's a verb, it's an action. So, with walking with that ideology, too many people nowadays they get their feelings hurt and they walk away. Too many people nowadays they have one issue within the relationship, they walk away. They don't know or, how to process it. Exactly. They they, they they don't know how to process it. They don't have they don't know how to have communication. They walk away from the entire relationship. And here's the thing: especially people nowadays, or even people who don't believe in something bigger than themselves, you have a problem in your relationship. Men tend to run to women. Women tend to run to men. Men tend to run to alcohol or substances. Women tend to run to, to, to attention online. They open the doors to attention from the opposite sex instead of running to God. I, I want to be able to be that man that if, I have, if, I, have a, if, right. I, if I have an issue with Come you on. as my wife, I'm going to run to God, not yeah. to women, not to alcohol, not to substances, not to something that's going to distract me and make the situa- situation a lot worse. Nowadays, people don't understand the concept yeah. of what it is to have a relationship with God, so it's really hard to obtain a relationship with someone that's leading up to something powerful. Because when you understand the true understanding of what marriage is, because the, the point of marriage, man, is have children. That's one of the, that's one of the points. One of the I points believe that the, that's the absolute point for getting married. If you don't have a disposition to get married, to raise a family, what's the point of being married? Stay single. Go out there. Exactly. Go yeah. out there. Stay single. Yeah. 1,000%. And I think, too, uh, to your point, lots of people today, because of the bad marital problems and the court system dividing families and attacking an American family, I think a lot of people don't know what it's like to have a mom and dad around. 1,000%. And if you don't have a faith in a higher power upstairs, yeah. where you actually have a relationship with a big man upstairs, it's hard for you to have any basis or perspective of what it's like to have a earthly relationship with a man or woman here on earth. Yeah. So if, if, it, if, for example, I think one of the most dangerous words that a lot of people use is this phrase, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. <laughs> How do you know if doing you is the right thing to do? Based on what? Based on your 20 years of life, on your 30 years of life, on your 50 years of life, I'm going to do me. To me, when people say I'm going to do me, in my opinion, that's fear. That's fear 1, talking. 1,000%. Because you know what? That's pride. That's fear. That's, you know what? I don't want to just do me because I want to just put myself in a position. I want to improve. I don't want to do me because me is flawed. The big man upstairs, he can perfect me. But me, right now, doing me, flawed, man, I'm going to do, do God. What would God do in this situation? Mm. What would my faith do in this big situation? And a lot of that, bro, freaking all... Pour out that cup, take a bite of that humble pie, 1,000%. and say, I apologize, I'm sorry, I was wrong. What would you like to have? What would you like to be a resolution? Easy said and done, though. Mm-hmm. Easy said and done. So if, if you're out there in that type of situation, and, uh, 
if, well, first and foremost, if you got married and you didn't have a, you know, a fundamental faith base or spiritual base, you're already off. You're already off. And, and by the way, what was the biggest thing that people got uh, uh, up in arms about in terms of Super Bowl commercials this past Sunday? The Jesus commercials. The Jesus commercials. Best commercial I've seen. Best man. commercials we've ever seen Best in Jesus, right? Seen. Amen. Hallelujah. By the way, did you see the Jesus commercials? Jesus got some spotlight. The CEO of Hobby Lobby and his other investors spent 20, invested $20 million to make sure Jesus had two, two commercials. And so why, why are people up in arms about it? Because it forced them to improve. It forced them that you can't just do you. Can't do me. Because you are flawed. You're flawed. And if you think you're coming to a marriage, you think you're going to be raising children based on that flawed premise without you willing to improve, you're setting yourself a failure. And I always believe that the children are improving me at mo most times. Most times, like, listen, I, we, we, okay, were you raised getting spanked? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, we were raised getting spanked. Look at spanked. <laughs> I cannot disclose that information on this podcast. I, got I my have ass names beat. to protect. <laughs> Did you get your ass beat when you were, uh, <laughs> I'm using the uh, King James version, the arse. <laughs> was your ass beat growing up? Mine was. I still remember that damn leather belt with the Yellowstone Park carving, and I had that, you know, on, on my behind. I still remember that. Did you ever get hit with a buckle side? <laughs> I've been here with an extension cord, with frying pants, with wooden spoons, belts, shoes, the 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 the, the Mexican flip flop. Yeah, of course, the chancleta. Okay, chancleta. Yep, yep. So you know, listen. Now, now I have my own kids, right? And I realized that was wrong because I'm raising my kids on them with fear. And by the way, pain is a great teacher, but not in fear. So I remember to my twins, they were they were messing around, and I took the belt out. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to spank them. And then they said, you know. I, I hit the belt on a bed in the spring. Wing, you know, the, the springs just like kind of vibrated, mm -hmm. and then and then uh, Milani covers her sister so that that's like you know they're they're maybe about seven or eight. Papi, don't hurt my steester. I'm like, forget this whole spanking shit. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. Uh, now let me ask you. Let me, play, uh, let, let me ask you a question. That was to your girl to to your daughters. Uh -huh. Was the way you raised your son differently than the, yes. than you raised your daughters? Yes. I, I he Ruben got a pow pow. You got Papa. I can't remember the last time I did the daughter for sure, differently than than um, than uh, sons. Why do you think is Why do you think is different? Uh, it's important to raise the men, the boys differently that's, than the girls. That's my flaw. I don't. You know, for, for me, you know, not, not for example, you know, Jojo, our twelve year old. I can't remember the last time I spanked him. You know, Jordan. He's three years old. You know, he's you know he's he's getting big. Of course, a toddler needs to be uh, corrected. But I can't remember just this, this, just going out and just the way I was beat down, the way I was uh, punished as a kid. I remember a, a Chicago Cubs helmet I had. Mm. And let, make a long story short, that Chicago Cubs batting helmet was cracked. <laughs> so, so listen, if, if, if you're in a situation where you have to express yourself that way, that, that's where you already know you need to improve. And instead of you trying to perfect yourself, you, it's the hardest thing to do because men don't talk to other fathers, hey, how do you discipline your kids? That's where the big man upstairs comes along. That's where listening to the right content is going to help you out. Reading the right books is going to help you out. Uh, I remember reading this book, um, Wild at Heart. It talked about, you know, young boys just need to be out there. So instead of trying to discipline my kids the way I thought I, I needed to discipline my sons, let them, let them roam. Let them do the thing, right? Let them run wild because they're wild at heart. That is their nature. That is their God's design. And so uh, with that being said, uh, Tom Brady had a, um, uh, he's got a lot of uh, 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 disgust. Check this out. He got a lot of disgust for showing his affection for his son, okay? Uh, uh, let's, 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 uh, let's, let's show this picture here. He's 
sitting, his son's obviously in his lap, and he's giving his son a kiss. Listen, I just did a video yesterday with my three-year-old talking about I love you on Valentine's Day, and there's nothing more peaceful, meaningful, the world stops when you're with your children, and you have the mutual affection towards one another. I'm in heaven with my kids, and it's I love you, I love you. By the way, I can't remember the last time my father told me I love you. That's why today I, I oversell it to my kids. I love you. I, yeah, I know, Dad. I know. Hey, turn around. What? I love you. <laughs> even, though, even though sometimes we're not getting along. Hardest thing to do. What's your thoughts here on Tom Brady showing affection and love to his son? Uh, honestly, Matt, right now, me personally, I'm, I'm in a gray area with this. I, uh, I, I love the idea that a father can be expressive to, to his child, regardless of whether it's a boy or a girl. Uh, I think it's great that a boy can find validation within his father's voice, within his father's reach, and I, I think it's powerful when a boy feels supported by a masculine, fatherly figure in his life. Uh, working in a high school and having people really close to me who have encountered the following, uh, uh, the following things I'm going to speak on, working with these people having encountered. Okay, so let me just be straightforward about this. So I've worked with a lot of kids between the ages of 14 to 18 years old. And I know a lot of uh, young men in their mid to early 20s where at some point in their life, and again, some of these people are really close to me, so, and if they ever watch this, yeah, I definitely can't disclose names, but I've had these young men experience molestation from their own fathers. Or they, they got molested by an uncle. They got molested by uh, a man in their life. So now, at some point of their young adulthood or even preteens, you know, in psychology, it does say that when you experience some form of trauma at a very early age of your life, it's really hard to remember that time of, of, of your life. It's like a blank. You can remember the ages of, let's just say, 6 to 8, and then for some reason, 9, 10, 11, you just don't remember much, and then you pick up the memories at 13, 14, 15, 16. Something must have happened during that time that you just don't recall a lot of that time, that, a lot of the time during the point, point in your life. So... You know, if that's a, if that's a situation that you were involved in, where you, unfortunately you did get molested by a family member, uh, uh, whether it's a, a dad, an uncle, a brother, a cousin, or just a, a, a random stranger, I think that the idea I think the idea of having a man come near you um, and be that affectionate could be uncomfortable. Hey, hey, screw it. Me, me myself, when when I was you know in anywhere between the ages of four and six. That's the situation that happened to me, and this is me being completely vulnerable and being completely transparent to all the viewers and to you, Matt. I've never shared this before, just with my best friend. That happened to me. I can't disclose on who. I can't disclose on how close this person was, but it happened to me multiple times. So anytime my father would come near me and be affectionate towards me, it would make me extremely uncomfortable, even though I was in my early 20s. So although it's a beautiful idea, and I, I like the idea that a father can be that caring for his son, on some level, maybe it's a lack of healing. But on some level, it still puts me in a really great area when it comes down to that specific topic. That's profound, bro. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, praying for you, brother. My man. Pray for you. So um, we're about to wrap up the podcast here. And um, I, I want to bring up this topic because I think this is uh, an area that I think destroys a lot of men too as well, which is porn. So there's an article here by AARP. What? AARP. Uh, uh, you can check out this article yourself. Uh, Six ways porn can hurt your sex life. Let's just talk about a few of them here. Uh, number one, porn is all about hardcore action. Okay, interesting. Let's unpack that. Of course, the genitals are important to sex, but think about the best sex you've ever had. Chances are it included lots of leisurely, playful touching 
all over from head to toe. Want great sex? Then spend at least half your time in bed not using what's between your legs. I think what they're alleging to is freaking, what do you call it? Uh, foreplay. Foreplay, 1,000%. Right? Yeah. But porn is ruining the connection between a male and female. A beautiful gift from God of having sex is ruined by hard, people think that sex, all it is is hardcore action. Just sex. Just sex. There's, there, there's, no, uh, there's no meaning behind it. It's just, okay, you get off, we get off, we're done, move on to the next. Uh, the other area is, is no one has a care in the world. In the world of pornography, women are always enthusiastic and care nothing about pregnancy, prevention, sexually transmitted disease, relationships, or even their own fulfillment. In real life, what? Anyone who doesn't consider such things is completely clueless. And the, the, the topic of just porn, it's, it's okay. There's, there's not going to be a problem here. If I just sleep with anybody, nothing's going to happen to you. She's not going to get pregnant. And by the way, you want to get uh, hitched to, to the wrong person because your framing is wrong about sex? Keep watching porn. It's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin your framing and understanding of what sex means in, in the case of a, uh, of a marriage. And then here's another one. Everyone is always e eager. You're single. Is everyone always eager? <laughs> hey, Milton. Ah, have a good time. Let's have sex. Is that true? That's, that's what happens in porn? I, you know what? You, you would think that it's mainly the men, but nowadays I'm seeing a lot of women who are actually a lot more involved in watching pornography. I have uh, a lot of women who have opened up to me uh, just in conversation, group, mm -hmm. not 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 a, not a, not a one on one conversation, but we're in a big group group of friends. Women open up to the idea of like, yeah, I watch porn. I watch porn, and that's something that I do every other day because I don't have a boyfriend or my husband doesn't please me. Right. But my husband also watches porn. He watches porn on his own time. And, he, and here's the thing. Wow. A lot of women aren't pleased because men don't know how to perform in the bedroom. And it's not just a physical thing. It's also an intimate thing, an emotional thing, right? And then when it comes down to the phys, uh, physiological bodies, a.k.a. then not getting a full erection, not being able to last long, where does that come from? Or finishing too quick, where does that come from? That comes from us being 13, 14, 15 years old, figuring out that we have a penis and it works, yeah. and having our very first wet dream or having our very first encounter with ourselves. Or a longer shower. Or, or, a, long, <laughs> or a longer shower. <laughs> and then coming across images, or if not, DVD, back, back then, DVDs and yeah. VHSs. Oh, yeah. yeah For but, me, it was, it was Playboy magazines. Or Playboy, Play, uh, Playboy magazines, or now the internet. Yep. When you're, when you're a boy at 13, 14 years old and you're about to get caught by your parents, you're in your bedroom, what do you do? You look up two-minute videos, 30-second videos, something that you can get off really quick. Yep. You don't pay attention to those 30, 40, 45-minute uh, pornographies. Yep. So what does that do to you over time? Over time, you're literally conditioning your body, aka your penis, to literally finish with, the, with an ejaculation within, what, 35, 40 seconds, two, two three minutes? And then what ends up happening during your actual sex life when you're in, in, a, in, in the bedroom with your wife, with your yep. girlfriend, or a beautiful woman, you finish extremely quickly because now you have the real actual thing, and it's not just a physical sensation of your, your callous, dry, sweaty-ass mm -hmm. hand on your penis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now it's an actual woman right in front of you, so you finish extremely fast. And now that's completely taken away from the experience of the sexual activity that, that, uh, that, that men and women are, are encountering. So now women are re relying on items, on toys, and on pornography themselves. I'll wrap up a, po a podcast with this thought. Number one, a couple of reasons why I stopped watching porn a long time ago. Number one, I wish I could give you a holy answer, which is not. I stopped watching porn because I don't want to be on my laptop and next to another guy to do a presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on a projector or it's on Zoom and I'm on the wrong website. Okay? That's I didn't want to be professionally embarrassed. I wish I could give you a better answer. I mean, you're probably going to be judging me for this. But the second thing is, Reason why this is not good, my, my, uh, my family's involved in, in human trafficking, anti-human trafficking, mm. right? And there's more people today in human trafficking than it was in original, original transatlantic slave trade. Why? Because it's fueled by pornography. And so if you want to be against human trafficking, then you're also against 
human trafficking. Because if people are enslaved on those shows, people are enslaved in, in, in bondage in those shows, in those webcams, and you're, you're supporting that activity. If you don't want to support that activity, and uh, you're supporting people getting kidnapped because what are they doing with these, with these uh, young kids that are kidnapped, boy, boy or girl? They're putting them into bondage. They're putting them into slavery, sexual slavery, uh, and, and they're, they're trafficking people. So if you want to go ahead and keep supporting that work, keep watching porn. There's a couple, couple reasons why I decided, hey, porn is no longer something that uh, I'm going to have involved in my life. And uh, again, these, these points, if you want to check out the article here on AARP, American Associate of Retired People, <laughs> why porn can ruin your life. But with that being said, man, uh, listen, this is our third podcast here. Uh, we want to know uh, what your thoughts are. What do, we want to know your questions. We want to know your feedback. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? Please put in the comment section below. Uh, final thoughts before we wrap up here, episode three uh, on our live podcast. Find God. Whoever, whoever's watching this, whoever's going to watch this, find God. Seek something bigger than yourself so you can have greater purpose and a greater foundation on what life is about, what marriage is about. And for anyone who's in, in the phase or season that is relying on an out, outside source, a.k.a. pornography, to fulfill their phys- physical needs, go work out. That will do so much more than what pornography can do for you. And I promise you, your marriage, your relationship will get a lot better in the long run and in the short term. For sure. Yeah. And for the, for the time that you're not spending watching porn, <laughs> <laughs> reinvest that into yourself yeah. in building a new skill. The moment you invest in a trade or a skill or a craft that you know you can monetize, that you can make money, and you know you have confidence doing it. You're not depending upon a boss anymore. You're depending on your own craft. I mean, how good was it for you to break off from your, your gym that you became your own boss as a trainer? Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a freeing experience, right? 1,000%. You, you, I want, we want more people to experience this freeing experience because the way this country is going, the way inflation is going, the way interest rates are going, and by the way, it's going to go in cycles. So this is not the first nor the last time inflation or rising interest rates are going to hit you again. You're just remembering it now for the very first time for many of you. I'm remembering for the third time in my entire career. I experienced it in 01. I experienced it in 07, 08, 09. And now I'm experiencing it through the pandemic and now this recession. And because I was prepared uh, 20 years ago, I can confidently go through my 40s and now go, go into my 50s here this year. I'll be, I'll be 50, freaking 50 years old this year in October 2023 with confidence knowing that because I got my finances squared away, got my faith squared away, got my finances squared away, got my fitness squared away, got my family squared away. Not to say that every bit of those subject matters are perfect either, but we have a subject a system to improve our lives, and we want you to improve your lives too as well. But I want to thank you for watching this episode of the Millionaire Goals Podcast. That being said, make sure you smash like, drop us your thoughts, drop us your comments in the comment section below. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Millionaire Goals Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and follow my man here, Millionaire, uh, Millionaire Goals Podcast co-host, Milton Alvarez, my trainer. At, uh, at what's, what's, your, uh, what's your handle again? SMB Performance SMB underscore? Performance underscore, yep. You follow me, my money smart guy here. So from Dallas, Texas, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. See you next Wednesday for episode four, live noon, Central Standard Time here, Millionaire Goals Podcast. That being said, for Dallas, Texas, on behalf of Milton Alvarez, I'm your money smart guy. Until we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. Bye-bye.